Welcome to the Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast. There is so much noise on the interweb these days about what women should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to their fitness and health. Not only is it all too often tied to shame and fixing our bodies, it can also be incredibly detrimental to our health and wellness overall. The Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast sorts through the BS and offers advice and actionable tactile steps to support and build a better relationship to your amazing body through every stage of womanhood. It aims to break the cycle of keeping women in the dark about their extraordinary machines and revolutionize the way we move, eat, and live so that our daughters and our daughters' daughters look in the mirror and feel exactly what they are. Fierce, beautiful, and capable of everything. The revolution starts here. Hello, 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 and welcome to our first Women's Fitness and Health Revolution podcast of 2024. Aru! And with the new year upon us, I hope it's been a good one so far. So with it comes a slew of new goals and new intentions, and y'all, I am here for it. And if you're itching to deep dive into how to make those goals stick this year, I 10 out of 10 recommend jumping back to episode three of this podcast for actionable steps to sticking to that fitness or health goal for all of 2024. Ooh, sounds schnazzy, right? So what I see a lot around this time of year, and always really, are people starting to get motivated to come on into gyms and explore trainers on a quest to lose weight. And maybe you have an underlying health condition that you've been told by a physician you need to lose weight for your heart or metabolic health. Maybe you love hiking and you're trying to lose weight so your knees don't get so sore. And maybe it is that last pesky 10 pounds as the fitness industry loves to market so deeply. And whatever the reason is, I felt the need to dive into this topic sooner rather than later because it's one of the most common and Personally, I find abhorrent fitness fallacies out there. The focus on fat loss versus strength gain as a mode for weight loss. And stay with me because I promise this episode is in no way meant to shame you if you have a weight loss goal. I love that you're excited about getting your body moving. And you personally know your body better than anyone. And part of the beauty of autonomy is getting the privilege to make your own choices for your body. My end goal with everything I do, especially with this podcast, is to help us build a connection with our bodies, one that's constructed based on listening to what our bodies need and then making choices that benefit our health and our longevity from a place of compassion. So this episode is really meant to help empower and educate you so that if weight loss is one of your goals, you have the actual science behind it and a realistic expectation around it. And so it is designed... Also, to deep dive a little bit into the psychology around why so many of us feel like we need to lose weight and addressing the shame that all too often is tied up in this precious journey of taking care of ourselves and our beautiful machines. At its core, this podcast is designed to blow up that unhelpful and down the line detrimental misconception our society has built around weight loss, think exercising more and eating less, and give you tools that not only set you up on the right path to your goals, but that you can actually sustain throughout your life. This topic of fat loss versus strength gain 
may have automatically triggered something within you. I know it certainly did for me the first time I learned about this concept many years back, and I absolutely honor your feelings and your journey, while at the same time, I invite you to approach this with an open mind. What I'm sharing today, as I mentioned, is 100% non-judgment and completely for education and to help you approach your health and fitness from a place of compassion, abundance, and empowerment rather than scarcity and shame. So before we get into the meat and potatoes, please join me on a quick little walk down memory lane. Fitness as a practice has not actually been around that long. The idea of working out is a pretty new concept, and while records show athletics and intentional body composition changes can be traced all the way back to Greece, ancient Greece that is, and some say beyond, fitness as we think about it today actually became more popularized in the 70s with Arnold's iconic iron pump launching bodybuilding into the forefront, and not too long after we had Jane Fonda decked out in that skin tight unitard dance and aerobics into the forefront in the early 80s and off to the races we went and don't get it twisted what I'm about to say because Fonda is a total icon and in a lot of ways I am so freaking grateful that she helped to normalize exercise for women but unfortunately was also a player in normalizing body dysmorphic levels of thinness as a health and fitness standard, and also normalizing cardio aerobics as an ideal style of training for women, entering the era of the cardio bunny, a phase I went through myself and one I would argue is deeply problematic, not just in the minimizing name it holds, but also physiologically. But Fonda isn't to blame for those drop those test pesky 10 pound messages that somehow have infiltrated every ad campaign and intercepted the brain of almost 80% of women who were reported to be dissatisfied with their bodies. And that, my friends, started with diet culture, a multi-billion dollar industry that staked its claim on shaming women into impossible to maintain and deeply detrimental dieting practices that ultimately led most of us to burnout and destroyed our metabolisms, selling most of us on a life or setting most of us rather on a lifelong death dance cycle of restrict, binge, gain more weight back, feel shamed to lose that weight, blaming ourselves for not being able to do so as opposed to the industry for counting on us to fail and rinse and repeat that on and on and on. This particular conversation runs so deep and I know it so intimately. It's impossible to cover in even one pod and I have so much compassion for everyone who's going through it and who has went through it. But for the sake of today, we won't dive too deep, but it is important to pay attention to because, as I mentioned, my goal here is to first address the psychology around why we, as women and a culture, are so hell-bent on losing weight before I dive into why it's so detrimental to our health to focus on fat loss versus muscle gain. So here we are, coming into the world as brand new, amazing humans, ready to take on and learn everything, growing up in a capitalist society that makes money on letting us know at every chance we get from the day we are born that we are not good enough as we are. And as we age, we get all of these ads thrown at us. If we just bought those fat-burning pills or got that diet book or had that liposuction, boy, oh boy, would we finally be desirable, which, as folks raised female, is in a lot of ways, what we've been taught to understand as our worth, which again is another topic we can unpack another day. But fitness, like the diet industry, 
is just that, right? It's an industry. At the root of both these technically should be health. But unfortunately, for the billion-dollar industries, it is cash. Cold, hard, betting on you to fail so you'll buy it again and again, cash. And another big issue here is the way we eat as a country currently and the world is killing us. So yet another player in our global metabolic crisis that's way too big to dive into, as you can tell there's a lot of themes going on here, is big agriculture. And I am definitely going to save this one for another day because it's a hot button, but just know the bottom line with food companies is unfortunately not our health. It's cheap ingredients that hook us to overconsumption like a drug. Food, at its very basis, is fuel. And proper nutrition makes or breaks the way we live, the way we function, the way we age, and is our number one protection from chronic ailments, cardiovascular and metabolic diseases, neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's and dementia, and so much more. So yeah, a level of consciousness and awareness around the food we put into our beautiful bodies is so important to our longevity and quality of life. And yes, our day-to-day life has rapidly become more sedentary than that of our ancestors, hence the benefit of fitness. Woohoo! Moving our bodies is important for so many things, including, but not limited to, our health, a healthy skeletal system, both posturally and bone density-wise, healthy connective tissues, mental health, lean muscle mass, which in itself is responsible for a huge variety of physiological benefits. More on that in a second. So yeah, nutrition and fitness are deeply important. The disconnect is that rather than using them as sustainable tools throughout our life, we're being marketed to in a way that not only keeps us unhealthy, but guarantees us failure and is usually packaged in a quick fix solution. And I know if these are new topics, it probably is sounding a little bit conspiratorial, but please hear me out. If the majority of diet and fitness plans worked, both diet and fitness are in quotes here, you would only technically have to invest in them once. And theoretically, you would have a sustainable plan that you would keep performing optimally for the rest of your life. And that plan would have taught you how to listen to the needs of your body as your hormones change. So organically, as your physiology shifted, so too would your habits. What a beautiful concept. Unfortunately, that doesn't make a lot of cash. Not a great business model when that is your bottom line. The average weight loss program, like the average diet, is banking on you to fail. Then to blame yourself then to spend more money on programs and procedures and on and on and on and on. Add in the fact that nobody really teaches us, especially women, about how our fat storage is incredibly beneficial to our hormonal health and how our sex hormones change over the span of our life quite significantly. This leaves us completely in the dark that we can actively destroy our endocrine system, that's our hormones, when we go low fat. And that fertile women especially have a slew of conditions affecting our endocrine and nervous system that take place when we go low carb or when we intermittent fast. Then we get preyed on even harder when our body composition starts to shift with the drop in estrogen come perimenopause. And all of this is just despicable. Instead of giving us tools to live healthily, 
we're getting sold to, to quote unquote, fix ourselves. And that, my lovely, beautiful friends, is why information is power. With the right information, you can take back your power and make choices that are healthy for both your body composition and your happiness. So let's really fast just talk the nasty truth about weight loss slash fat loss plans. So all too often when a person is trying to lose weight, these plans that we're targeted with, whether it's on Instagram, Googling, however you find it, they focus on slashing calories and upping cardio because cardio quote unquote burns more calories. And at first when we start this plan, we may see the scale reflect a shift in the direction we were hoping for, losing weight. And we get a hit of feeling like, oh my God, I am finally doing something right here. Again, that's in quotations. Right, that is. Unfortunately, that initial weight generally is water weight and then muscle. So quick side note, if we aren't resistance training, lifting weights, etc., up to 25% of the weight we actually lose can be from our muscles. If we have a lot of weight to lose, as in we're losing weight for health reasons, pounds may come off more rapidly at first because our body wants to work optimally and it will work with you. But eventually even that will start to plateau as you come closer to your healthy body weight. This is when, in most instances, I've seen a lot of shame and frustration kick in. I'm doing everything right. It worked last week and I haven't changed anything. What's wrong with me? What did I do? And my dear, nothing, nothing, nothing is wrong with you. Again, our bodies are trying to help us. So just to deep dive even further, we're going to talk what happens when we continue to cut calories and when we continue to rely on cardio long term. So we can debunk this myth and set you up for actual healthy success. Sound good? Okay, let's start with slashing the cows. There are definitely some protocols when a client is obese that do benefit from reducing caloric intake for a time, but it is deeply important to go through this with a practitioner because it's a, our body is a machine, right? It's not as simple as just our body letting go of weight. Just one small example of what I mean by that is we store toxins in our adipose tissue, so our fat cells. And if we lose weight too rapidly and with the incorrect nutritional support, those toxins get released into our bloodstream and can cause inflammation and a slew of other issues. And that's just one thing that can go kind of amiss. So when you're doing those big weight, like initial weight loss or calorie restricted diets, I definitely, definitely, definitely recommend working with a registered dietitian. However, when we're under eating for a sustained period of time, we're talking, and again, really roughly 1800 calories or less in a general sense, which most women often are under eating and certainly are living under nutrient tid, uh, without, without enough nutrients. There you go. We see a bunch of health issues spring up among which are weight gain and retention, especially around our midsection. When we don't get enough to eat. Our bodies don't get enough nutrients and nutrients are responsible for helping our bodies function across the board. If we're on a diet that relies on powders and shakes and processed snacks, just forget about it. Because even if they are fortified with nutrients, those nutrients are less bioavailable, meaning that our body can't use them as well as when we eat real food, they're synthetic, as in non-organic. They're made in the lab. They're often packaged with additives that cause systemic inflammation in order to preserve them and last longer. And these can this can lead to a myriad of illnesses, including diabetes and cancer. 
and they usually have anti-nutrient properties, meaning that we can't absorb all the nutrients they say are in there. And actually anti-nutrients can block the absorption of the fortified nutrients. So it just sort of becomes this cluster. And on top of that, these snacks and shakes and proteins may cause insulin resistance, which is a precursor to diabetes, can cause weight gain, and is especially dangerous post-menopause when we're already more insulin resistant due to our lack of estrogen. So the whole thing here is that under eating makes our body think that we are in starvation mode. Because remember, everything our body does is to keep us alive. And it's just so freaking beautiful, I can barely handle it. Unfortunately, that means if we're underfed in our minds, and if we're thinking calorie in, calorie out, it should be a no-brainer that we eat less calories, so we lose weight. But when we do that for a sustained amount of time, our body starts to register it as famine. And it goes to work making sure that we stay alive without food. So this means for one, slowing down certain physiological functions so that only the most life-sustaining ones are fueled. These include our reproductive system. So if you are trying to get pregnant, your body absolutely needs adequate food and nutrients to spend energy on creating new life, right? You're creating a whole person. You deserve it, baby. Another function that gets backburnered is digestion. And that is a real kicker for trying to lose weight. If you're not eating, our body will slow metabolism so we don't burn through our fuel source. It also will start to eat away at our muscles for fuel and energy. Because technically, we don't need to be strong as badly as we need to breathe or have our heart pump. When our bodies are short on fuel, they'll break down our muscle tissues to convert them as an energy source. And we'll talk more about this later, but Muscle tissue are our most calorically expensive tissues. Not only is that deeply unhealthy for many reasons, but when we start to metabolize our muscles, it also prevents weight loss. It also starts to store, we also start to store fat around our midsection, partially because of the cortisol spike when our body is being placed under extreme stress. And then you add exercise, which is also a stress. So starving your body is a stress. Exercise is a stress. Cortisol stores around our midsection. So it just leads to this sort of just a dead end when it comes to weight loss goals. And actually we end up holding and retaining in our fat cells. And again, cortisol loves to store around that middle section. Last one I'll talk about today. Undereating also causes, as I mentioned, just to deep dive into a little more disruptions in our sex hormones. Remembering we're not small men, as the wise Dr. Stacey Sims so lovingly reminds us, fasting and missing breakfasts, especially in our fertile phase of life, can cause huge complications with our hormones. This can lead to a whole bunch of symptoms, including but not limited to growing hair in undesired areas like face or thickening of hair on arms, headaches, mood swings, muscle aches, extreme exhaustion, weight gain around our midsection, brain fog, missing our period, and infertility, just to name a few. And real fast, to touch on too much cardio before we get into some positive Peggy territory, because I promise the happy stuff is coming. Cardio, just to start out, it doesn't build lean muscle. And remember, that's our 
That's our big calorically expensive tissue. In fact, because it takes so much energy during a cardio session, and especially if we're underfed, it can actually cause the breakdown of muscle to be converted as energy. And remember, that's totally the antithesis to weight loss because muscle loves to burn calories. So why then do we hear all the time that it burns the most calories when we go on runs? That's what our Apple watches say. That's what our Fitbits say. But here's the scoop. There are two things real fast we'll talk about. The first one is when you stop exercising during a cardio workout, so like when you finish your run or your cycle or your swim, the calorie burn stops versus when you're strength training, you continue to burn calories 12 to 24 hours after your session. There's this afterburn effect, which is also why you have to eat because you have to fuel your muscles so we don't break down our muscles. But again, that's why it's so expensive. So when you are running, you might burn a lot of calories initially, but as soon as you're done, so is the burn. When you're strength training, your watch may say you only burned a couple cat, like a couple hundred maybe, but when you're done with your session, because those lean muscles use so much energy, you'll continue converting calories to energy for a while after your workout. And the second part, and this is actually like, it's like low key bummer, but we can also spin it to be, this is so freaking cool. Our bodies are brilliantly adaptable. And stay with me because this gets mind-blowing. If we are running or training cardio exclusively, as in not doing any sort of strength training along with it, our bodies will at first burn a shiz ton of calories. Just like when we first start losing weight, we'll lose water and muscle weight when we first cut those calories. However, when our body wises up about this huge energy suck that is cardio training, it goes, oh snap, we got to fix that. And it begins to actually adapt to adjust for the energy consumption. And it does this in a few ways. The two main ones we're going to talk about is the first one. You've heard me say this before, and it's another way it happens. It starts to break down muscle for excess energy. And the second way is it starts to slow your metabolism so that it can conserve energy. That's right. Our bodies do what they're best at. They adapt. And that, again, is kind of mind-boggling. They are so intuitively brilliant. But unfortunately for us, it does mean less muscle and a slowing metabolism. This, among many reasons, is why we can't solely rely on wearable devices. And before I dive into the positive strength training, I don't want to leave this before I say I genuinely enjoy running. And I do not ever want to yuck your yum if you are a runner. There are amazing ways to cross train and fuel that totally supports your body in this hobby or sport. But if you were running solely for the purpose of weight loss, it's time to know. There are better, safer, more sustainable ways to move your body. And if you were cardioing in tandem with slashing those cows, you're setting your body up for disaster. And it's a disaster that could take years to decades to heal. So here's your power of education. Do with it what you will. I'm cheering you on no matter what. And let's get positive, shall we? Because movement is freaking beautiful. I mean, obviously, I love it. It's why I decided to dedicate my life to helping women move their bodies sustainably and with love long into the years. So again, if cardio brings you joy, 
Aru, sis. I love that. I'm not even saying don't do cardio because there is a huge benefit for training cardiovascular health. Hit, running, swimming, cycling, dancing. It's great for you. I'm just saying to make sure that you are cross-training with resistance training. Here's the great news. Even just two days of strength training can make a huge difference to your health moving forward. So the, the fact of being born is that eventually we, we pretty much start aging the second we're born. And that's great. That's the cycle of life. By age 30, we start to lose bone density and lean muscle mass. Estrogen plays a big role for women in remodeling our bones. So as we enter perimenopause, which can be anywhere from 35, commonly up in the 40s and 50s, the rate of our bone loss will accelerate during that time because our levels of estrogen are naturally declining. And as we get into menopause, when all the estrogen we produce in our reproductive years no longer is being produced because we're no longer ovulating, it becomes very important that we start to pay attention to our bone health. But the more great news that I've got for you is strength training plays a huge role in both putting off this bone loss and reversing it. I recently heard an interview with Dr. or Dr. Benjamin Bickman, who is a cell biologist who focuses on metabolic disorders, in which he said about cardio training versus strength training. Minute for minute, a man or woman is better served engaging in resistance training than anaerobic exercise because of the evidence that suggests how critically relevant muscle mass is in longevity and lifespan and overall quality of life. What good is it living an extra 20 years if you're sitting on a couch or a bed? We want those 20 years. We want to square off the curve of mortality. Rather than having this slow decline, we want to stay functional, 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 and then drop dead. And muscle mass is largely the predictor of that phenomena. We need to make sure we train for that. Oof. Oh, can I get an amen? Another one of my favorite leaders in the field of women's health, especially as it pertains to training, as I mentioned earlier, Dr. Stacy Sims. She's the author of Roar and Next Level, both exceptional and highly recommended reads. They live by my bedside, and I often refer back to them with clients. Um, in Next Level, she talks about the importance of lifting heavy shiz through our perimenopause, menopausal, and postmenopausal years because it increases our metabolic rate with the development of lean muscle tissue. Hello, weight regulation. It improves our posture and stability, which becomes more and more important as we age. It increases our bone density. Hallelujah. Is good for our blood pressure and heart health. Yes, please. Very important, especially when we stop making that estrogen. Reduces fat gain hmm, and boosts our immune system. Yum. I don't know about you, but all that sounds pretty fantastic to me. And just to reiterate, this isn't probably obviously a weight loss podcast, but if body composition is your goal, the way to get there is to stabilize your blood sugar while lifting heavy and fueling for your lifts. And as I mentioned, one of the coolest things about this is you can see major health benefits from as little as two 30-minute sessions a week starting out. And if you're not really sure where to get started, I did just release a free beginner's guide to strength training that teaches you how to start building workouts for yourself 
what to include, how to include them, how to build your workouts, how to keep them under 30 minutes, how to program them for a month out, and how to stay consistent. So if you feel like you could use a little extra help, it definitely recommend checking it out. Like I said, it's free, so why not? I'll drop a link down in the show notes. But just to sort of brush over a couple of the things you'll learn in that beginner's guide to strength training for women. The goal when you're strength training is to focus on compound multi-joint movements. So that includes things like squats, chest presses, deadlifts, rows, and overhead presses. And to choose a rep range, reps being the amount of times you do an exercise, that upon completion you feel tired, not exhausted after. A good way to gauge this is stopping the exercise when you could only do roughly one to two more reps of that exercise. So you're not totally burned out, but you also couldn't keep going forever and ever and ever and ever. So starting out with these can be apps or starting out if you're new and you'll see this too in the guide can absolutely and wonderfully be body weight movements. And they can be done, as I mentioned, from the comfort of your home. We love this. One of my favorite pieces of advice about getting started with lifting heavy came from Sal Stefano of the Mind Pump podcast. He recommended approaching the exercises as skills and not a workout. What? Hear me out. What he means is focusing on nailing the form and foundation before we start pushing weight or speed. Because if we aren't moving correctly, we are moving ineffectively and honestly, may as well not be moving at all. Maybe it's not that extreme, but your time is precious. So why not get the most bang for your buck? And especially this is important when we're moving with weights because it is sort of the make or break between lifting safely and effectively and injuring out for a while. If you ever need help getting started along with that beginner's guide that I'm dropping down there for you, please feel free to check out my YouTube page because I have a ton of free resources available, both full-length workouts as well as exercise libraries with individual exercises that break down body weight and dumbbell and band moves that you can incorporate in your own home workout. I also humbly highly recommend jumping on the wait list for my three-month online group coaching experience, Strength Foundation for Women. It is my signature strength building program that I'm so excited about, and it helps you get focused on the things we just talked about, form, mobility, and endurance, aka moving well and sustainably for your whole life. It also teaches you the foundations of what to include in a results-driven workout plan so you know how to build your own workout and move on your own once the program is done. And I'll go ahead and pop a link to that as well into the bio of this episode. So jump on that because again, commitment free. We're just trying to get you moving in a grooving and I'm here to help however I can. And the last bit I will say about strength gain rather than fat loss comes down to the mindset piece. You know me, we couldn't go far without talking a little bit about mindset. Strength gain focuses on adding something to our life and Addition comes from a place of abundance, where fat loss comes from a place of taking something away or a place of scarcity. And I get it. It's super easy to roll your eyes at this. I, too, would have written these off as buzzwords and nothing more at one time. But after over a decade of helping women get stronger, I have seen one major consistent through line. When we show up from an abundant place, we stick around. We show up because we're taking care of our bodies. We pay attention to healthy metrics and we're much more likely to stick with it in the long haul. 
when we show up with scarcity, it may get us desperate and in the door, but we often burn out on it. We're constantly working against our bodies and finding things that are wrong with us rather than acknowledging the amazing things our bodies are capable of. And even if we do stick around long enough to reach the goal we initially wanted, we haven't shifted our mindset and the relationship to our body. So even when we get it, we remain unhappy. We remain unhappy with our size, with our weight, with our appearance in the mirror, the way we feel in our clothes, just deeply unhappy. Weight training allows us to add things into our lives. It allows us to develop a positive relationship with our bodies. And at the end of the day, we're kind of all we got, right? So why not be friends with our bodies? All right, Raiders, I could talk about you loving on yourself for hours and one day I just might. But this one is already a long one. I thank you so much for sticking with me and hearing it out. And I sure, sure, sure hope that you walk away feeling empowered to stop starving and to start lifting because you and your amazing body are so, so worth it. Happy 2024. I am so excited for this year and all the amazing things it's bringing you. And until next week, Raiders, I rue.